Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. Going on. <laughs> and welcome to another strenuous episode of Wrong and Wronger. I am the host with a constant buzz of discomfort in my own skin, Steve Olivas, and he is James, who you can see what his skin looks like, Breakwell. And we come to you every week arguing and mostly complaining about things that nobody cares about. In fact, we rarely care about them. Except for this week, James, we've got a topic lined up that is near and dear to both of our hearts and both of our aggravations. What is it we shall be discussing today? As usual, I turned garbage into gold and took your complaining <laughs> beforehand and crafted it into our topic for today. And that topic is self-imposed deadlines. Do you want to tell everybody about your self-imposed deadline here? I have got to get the rough draft of the book I'm working on done by Thursday. And today's Tuesday, and I started putting it together Sunday, and I am almost a third of the way done. <laughs> and I'm busy all day tomorrow, so I don't know when I'm going to have time. That means i got to crank this sucker out, James Breakwell, by tonight. And I'm guessing, being an author at heart that you are, you are no stranger to this concept either. I I'm not a stranger to it, but I feel like I treat them very differently than you do. Just just so the listeners understand, I, I might have accidentally put an S on the end of that. I didn't mean to. I meant listener singular. But just so they <laughs> understand. Hi, Judy. What, what <laughs> consequence will there be if you miss this deadline? I will have to continue working on the book past when I want to. <laughs> <laughs> this is you're not going to get fired or lose money or anything if you don't get it done by the deadline you can just do it the next day or the day after that or the day after that so uh, or there's for, something to what you're saying james but you know you, you got one project kind of lined up after the other and you want to move on in life so i am amazing at hitting deadlines imposed wow. by other people Wow. I am not so great at hitting deadlines imposed by myself because they're meaningless and unenforceable. And ultimately, they're just kind of guesses. Like, I would love to have this book done in two months. Well, you really don't know how long that book's going to take. I mean, maybe you do. You seem to have gotten this down into some sort of a precise science that just completely eludes me. But uh, sometimes, <laughs> I don't know, my, my, my sci-fi book that I've got coming out next year, that came together really quick. But that was one that had been bouncing around in my head for a long time. And the drafts came out quick. And... The first draft came out quick, and the second ones, I it got assembled really quick. But then there were, there were other ones that just they, they just drag on and on. You get you, th you get to the point where you think you're done, and you realize you need you know you need three or four thousand words on this or on that, and they just keep going. On the flip side, when you actually like when your book is in the editing phase, and they send edits back through me to through to me, they usually give you like a month or 60 days or whatever, and I usually just do those right away because I just, I absolutely hate having it hanging over my head. And yes. also, you want to know what they said about your book. And then when you read what they said about your book, you're really insulted, and so you have to yes. go and fix that book. So there's, there's really an intense motivation there. 
And probably the only time I get, like, my, my self-imposed deadlines get really intense is, so there's a stage where, you know, like, it's almost good enough to send off to my agent, and then it'll get sent out, you know, to people, and then I can start getting rejected by everybody, and hopefully sure. one person out there in the, you know, in Siberia or somewhere will say, like, yes, and it'll get accepted. Yeah, you know, it, that's, that's how the process works. So when I'm right at that final stage, the closer I am to being done, the more intensely I'll, I'll adhere to that deadline. Like the final stage, I had that like with my proposal for my first book. There was I was up like at eleven or twelve o'clock at night. I just wouldn't go to bed. It's like I have to finish this right now. But it wasn't a real deadline. It was a Steve deadline because if I didn't finish it right then and put it in an email and send it out, I would have to wake up the next morning and look at that proposal again. And that fate was worse than death. So I just had to get it sent out right then. And I feel like you're in the same boat. This is all psychological to you without any actual real world consequences attached to it. Uh, yes and no. And P.S. How many Sunday night newsletters have you missed during the years you've done it, James Breakwell? I missed one, and I sent it the next day. It was a deliberate choice, too. I, I had put it off till later in the day, and my two options that came up, because I was actually off work the next day as well, I could watch Die Hard 2 with my wife and get drunk, nice. or I could write the <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> I was like, you know what? The newsletter is getting pushed by a day. But that was when my newsletter audience was much, was much smaller. If that same choice came up today... I would push Die Hard 2 by a day, because the newsletter comes first. So, none of your family members will perish if you miss a newsletter. You're not going to lose any of the Breakwell, like, sluice off the Mississippi River of gold that pours into your bank <laughs> account every month. But uh, it's a self-imposed deadline. You are no stranger, and you have a rigid weekly self-imposed deadline that you hit. So don't go telling me okay. I'm a unicorn, pardon the pun there, in this field. But... I will say that there is a little bit of a consequence because I have two artists lined up behind this one kind of waiting for me to get this book done. So in order to just keep the wheels turning, I need to give birth to this thing and get it off my plate so I can move on to the next one. So j just for context, there are definitely yeah. consequences if I miss that newsletter. Okay, so ima imagine you're sending out an email newsletter to a enough people that they probably couldn't fit in a large NFL stadium. Now, so you're going to send that out. <laughs> You've got all these people expecting this newsletter and then you don't send it to them, but they don't know you didn't send it out. So they think they just missed it. So then they email you and they all have your email address. <laughs> <laughs> that Talk is the consequence. <laughs> That's a waterfall in the Congo. Holy oh, cow. If we miss this show, Judy P, she's even stopped complaining about it if we miss one of these shows. <laughs> like, we don't even get feedback or flack from Judy P anymore. She used to ask me if, if, it was the, if the video was going to be up at night or the audio. She listens to the audio and then watches the video. She actually she gives us two views every week, and I, she's finally given up. Like We're just too yeah. sporadic, which is a weird thing because we do sometimes miss a week, but it's because you know if we miss a week, we're not going to get 30,000 emails. It's not a huge deal, and every once in a while it <laughs> pops up. We don't make any money off of this. But this, I guess, on its own is a self-imposed deadline because we have to get this done by... I guess if we the latest yes. we push it like Wednesday afternoon. When one time maybe we did it Wednesday evening in order to get posted Wednesday <laughs> night. I mean we yes. we push this thing around, but ultimately if we have to, I mean we've probably 
I don't know how many we you think we missed total five or six maybe over the years. That's fair. And you know what though, we're still putting out more than the actual good podcast people listen to. Because on those podcasts, they have like seasons. They do like ten or twenty episodes and then they stop. Yeah. And they do ten or twenty episodes and they stop. It's like what is that? You, you quitters! I can't. I can't respect that at all. <laughs> or yeah, and uh, even network television shows get canceled at some point because of low viewership. I don't know how we would ever get yanked off. That's I true. Don't take me out of context. We like uh, yeah. We, we are, are a perpetual motion machine. Yeah, we are uncancelable. I guess at least in the traditional <laughs> sense. In the other social media sense, we probably deserve to be canceled post haste. But that's another story. But yeah, in terms of like gatekeepers, they uh, they definitely gave the crowds too much power. We can just. We could just put these things out, and there's nobody who can say no. And that's we a little alarming. We have no crowd and all the power. That's right. But we have, I guess, do you do the deadline thing outside of writing and outside of, like, podcasts and things? Like, if you have to do a home improvement project, do you have a deadline, or do you just put it off indefinitely? Well, uh, you'd have to ask my wife about that ah. one because she... <laughs> We uh, just had a bunch of insulation delivered to our driveway today because Mrs. Steve got tired of her feet being cold on the floor every morning, so she's going to insulate under the house. And I was standing out there watching the guy from Lowe's dropping all of the insulation, and I said, so, you uh, need me to help you under the house? And we both laughed, and then I went upstairs and wrote my book. There is something to be said for reaching the stage of life where you just pay other people to do things for you. And it is amazing. And you know how no, cheap... No, she's going to do it. We're not oh, paying she, anybody. She that's even this. better. Wow. Yes. Now, I would make fun of you, but anytime I end up in any kind of sticky home improvement <laughs> situation, I ask my, my wife's dad to do it for me, which is equally amazing. It's a little yeah. bit more inconvenient, though, because he's not actually in the house with me. I sure. have to, He has to drive sure. over here, and then I have to, you know, feed him. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of burden there. There's a few a few hurdles I have to jump over, uh, but that, that is impressive. Do you, so, I take it you have a crawl space under your house, or is it a basement? Yes. Yeah, crawl no, no, it's crawl space. So she is going so she, to be crawling around and is like, what would you say the uh, the height is? Like three feet? What's the over-under on that? It uh, There's a little bit of topographical variability. So it varies somewhere between three and five and a half. And she's going to Now go... she's also installing a like a storm shelter basement out of part of it. So we did have to hire people to cut a door into the concrete side of our garage wall, but she's going to lay concrete blocks and build like a little storage room out of that. I mean, that's what she's telling you it is. It might be her secret murder chamber. Like when you disappear, <laughs> we will know what happened to you. You probably shouldn't be spilling this podcast or spilling it on this podcast. The good news is revealing her secret murder chamber on here alerts no one and the authorities will still yeah. never figure it out. Judy Peel gets stopped at the border. Yeah, she can't even come rescue me. Is this uh, is this for tornadoes? Now, she wants a storage, another storage space, so she's building like a little, probably the size of a small kid's bedroom out of the crawl space that has enough clearance to have about a six-foot room in there, six-foot-tall room. So she had the guys cut a hole in the concrete, and then she hired someone else to pour a concrete slab, and then uh, she's having <laughs> like brick-a-blocks delivered, and she will assemble all of them and mortar them and... I don't know what she does half the times, James, but there have only been a handful of things that we have had to pay other people to do from a home improvement standpoint. 
I uh, I fear for your children, and here's why. So you are <laughs> of a certain age that all of your kids are outside of your house. You live yes. in a house. You just recently upsized, rather than downsizing, to a house that's approximately 50,000 square feet, give or take. The Steve uh, Olivas Manor. the size of an it, NFL it, football yeah, stadium. Yeah, just sprawling, yeah. yeah. My, my newsletter crew would fit inside <laughs> your house. So... <laughs> What we're, what we're talking about here is you've got this giant house with only two people in it. And somehow yeah. you filled it up so much that you have to build a room in the crawl space. I'm sorry, correction, that your wife has to build a space <laughs> in the crawl space. What is your house filled with? Like I've seen you post pictures occasionally. It looks very open. It looks very spacious. And I just don't see a lot of stuff. So what are like the all of the rooms off camera? Or is that where you put your hoarder stash? Or what's going on there? You know, the other, let me see if I can whip the camera around here. This is my, this is Journey 4 studio. Okay. Journey 5 is at my office. I'm in my house right now. I am, I stand up and move the camera around. I am literally in a walk-in closet. <laughs> and I said to my wife, all I want, there's the table with my mixing board and stuff. I said to my wife, all I want is one of these walk-in closets because there are three in the house. One is in our master bedroom, so it doesn't really count. And then there's a big like a, a pantry hall upstairs, and then there's like a storage room down here. All I want is one for my studio, and as the viewers can see, she filled it up with her stuff anyway, and I am relegated to just a small corner. Having said that, it seems like we have a lot of stuff, but much of the rest of the house is open. Now, we have uh, four bedrooms. One of them is my son's, who is still in high school, so he'll be back all summer. Mm. One is the boys who live with us, the billets for hockey. One is like a throw everything that she wants access to but doesn't want immediately into storage room. And then one's the master bedroom. So there's not space per se, but the storage room she's building, I believe, is for two reasons. One, I think she gets bored and just like comes <laughs> up with things to do. And then two, she, it, by the next time we speak, I might be homeless because she is aiming, angling to sell this thing and downsize pretty quickly as soon as the billet boys move out. And uh, my son will be up back at school next year and she doesn't want this big of a house and real estate around here is going insane. So she's looking to cash in my chips <laughs> and uh, get rid of this big house and get us a small one in the country with some property. I have many questions, but you, <laughs> you just moved there. We went over and over about how you were terrible neighbors and you were ruining your other neighbors' 4th of July fun. You were those people, and then you you moved to the sprawling manor. Like, hey, you've been there, what, less than two years? Nah, about two and a half. Two and a half years. Yeah. Now, I've, I've never... Now, you are by far the not the only people who uh, who are doing this. I know a lot of people who are selling houses they recently moved into to cash in. But to, to make that work, you have to move from where you are to a cheaper area. Like, if you if you cash in there and you move down the street, that, that house is worth more, yeah, too. Yeah. So are you going to move far enough out into the country that actually no one wants to live there and land is still cheap? That is our intention. And by our, I mean Mrs. Steves. And when you get there, what's going to happen to all of the stuff that she currently needs a secret room in the crawl space to accommodate? <laughs> I think I've said this on this show before. I make sure not to fall asleep in my chair anymore because everything that doesn't move gets sold, swapped, or given away by Mrs. Steve. She doesn't let dust collect on anything. 
So everything that, like, I have a baseball card collection that I sort of built a barbed wire fence around so she doesn't touch. Like, uh, I have all of my clothes that I may not wear them anymore because they apparently were made for a much smaller man than me. But, uh, I, again, those are all fenced off, and there's, like, landmines and bouncing beddies in between the hallway and where those are so she can't get to them. There have been things that when I used to go out on the road, I would come home and not be able to find, and she'd be like, oh, yeah, I gave that to Goodwin. Well, and it's it's maddening, Breakwell. Maddening. These these two characteristics of your wife don't line up, though. The woman who perpetually throws away everything, and the woman who builds a secret room in the crawl space to hold on to things. I just I feel like there's more to the I'm story here. You, she's putting it, it. She's selling it. She recently updated our Zillow listing, which makes me a little concerned that I'll be living in my car not too long from now. <laughs> But that uh, we have a storm shelter. She uh, just, whatever the price of bric-a-block is, that'll be, it, it can add value to the house without uh, costing a whole lot to do. I can respect that. I wasn't sure. My, my first thought on all of that was your fear of uh, tornadoes. And I just, I didn't know if Memphis got tornadoes or if you, fought, you were just in a, a geographic spot that didn't happen to. Uh, up here in Indiana, I would never uh, own a house that did not have a uh, someplace I could go below ground. But I guess Do you have a storm shelter? I have a basement. It's only a quarter basement. It looks oh, like it, it looks very much like you would get murdered there. Uh, Mrs. Steve would be sure. right at home down there. But sure. yeah, it's uh, but yeah, it's we've got a quarter basement, and then the other uh, the other three quarters is crawl space. But you know, our house is you know three thousand years old. It was built at the same time as <laughs> yeah. the pyramid. So things. Jesus things, loved it when he lived there briefly. He, he yeah. really did. Yeah, I wish I wish we could put him on the previous owners list. Might give us some resale value. <laughs> but yeah, the housing values around here are going nuts as well. But it do, it doesn't. Well, maybe not right right here but like down the street in the you know more affluent suburb they are but it wouldn't do us any good we would just if we sold where we're at now we'd have to stay in the same school district we just we just come out money behind and we already yeah. we, we added on to our house and we found out unlike what hgtv tells you if you if you put x number of dollars <laughs> into your house the value of your house doesn't go up by x dollars it goes up by like x divided by 10 <laughs> like oh <laughs> so we just set that money on fire i guess we are That's staying an exclamation here point upside down next to the number that's the anti. And you know, I forgot what that exclamation point. Ultimately, is. it's good that our the value of our house didn't go up because we would have we would have got bought in a house that needed work, but it was nearly as big as the Steve Olivas Manor. It was just you know in a decrepit state. We would have spent the rest of our lives fixing it up, and <laughs> and by because we couldn't get out of this house, we uh, we saved ourselves all of that that toil and all of that heartache over the years. So it's good that we're locked in here. There's something to be said for getting in a spot and sticking to it. And there's a good chance, and I'm not going to guarantee it. You know, my wife could always you know run me over or leave me or something like that or our house could burn down but there's a good chance that we will raise our kids from you know birth through college in the same house without ever relocating and i that doesn't happen very much so we'll see i respect that i believe you actually too knowing you as i do yeah because uh like Mrs. Steve, like one of the personalities of Mrs. Steve, we have acquired much stuff over the years. But unlike the other personality of Mrs. Steve, we are not so good at getting rid of it. And if we ever did have to move, besides the financial hit, we would have to take all that stuff with us. I can't even fathom moving it out. We, our house is three stories now that we finished the attic. And like moving all this stuff out, like if we moved, we would just have to abandon all of our worldly possessions and start over. I am not <laughs> carrying this fire. stuff out of here. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and the neighbors would dance naked all over. You would have like a big pile in the street and just <laughs> torch it like the Joker with that pile of cash in Batman. There's a there's a show on TV on A and E or one of those where there's a lady who goes around and does auctions in your house. And I think it's usually estate auctions, but they don't even like take the stuff out of your house. They just let oh. people in three or four at a time and they walk around and there's prices tagged and everything. And if you like it, you pay for it and you grab it and you just take it out. And, uh, That's not maybe, really an auction. I guess it's not an, an estate sale. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, but it, it seems uh, I, I can see the appeal of that. Anyway, what I was getting to uh, a long, yeah. long time ago when I said I feel sorry for your children, just in general, other than you know feeling sorry oh, for them because they related wow, to you. But why I started that, uh, I don't want to leave an insult lingering, is if you've got <laughs> all this stuff for the half of your wife that doesn't throw away things and needs the extra storage space, if you guys pass away before you downgrade to this smaller house, they would have so much stuff to get rid of. They wouldn't even be able to hire that A&E lady who does the estate sales. They'd have to just like <laughs> hire an arsonist and burn it down for the insurance money. I mean, how would they ever get rid of all that stuff? You know, this is the other bad part of Mrs. Steve. If it was up to me, all that stuff would still be in boxes. Very easy for the kids <laughs> to move out. But Mrs. Steve has the time and the determination to unpack. So yes, they would have to actually purchase another we, we had like almost 200 boxes of stuff wow. when we moved last time. It was just insane, which uh, just kicked up Mrs. Steve's like a whirling dervish of let's get rid of this crap so we don't have to keep transporting it from one place to the next. Well, to bring us full circle to our, our theme, which we seem to have completely forgotten about, <laughs> is there a deadline for moving out? No. Uh, no. In fact, uh, I think I mentioned this a week or two ago. Our neighbors didn't really want to move either, but they sort of, they have a realtor friend and they threw out an insanely high, this will get me out of my house price. And the realtor got them almost 80 grand above that price. Holy and so cow. they're like, see ya. And they're going to move into an apartment for a year wow. just because the windfall they're going to make on their house. and. The lady across the street's one of my wife's best friends, and so my wife got wind of that, and she's uh, she she was like a, like a Mr. Smither, not Mr. Smithers, Mr. Uh, Mr. Burns, Burns in the the, the uh, Simpsons, like ooh, like uh, she's starting to stir a giant cauldron in the backyard, saying, "Let us get out of this house and cash in while the getting is good." Not a real deadline, hard imposed, but. Uh, she would like to before the market starts to stabilize. Thank you, California, for all of your horrible leadership and everyone fleeing to Nashville. You're driving up the price of my house. Now I have to move, <laughs> but my pockets will be lined with cash. I am actually impressed that you know what's driving up the price. Around here, I mean, some people say it's because they weren't building any houses during COVID, but I, I don't think that's really it because the housing, like every time you drive around Indianapolis, there's a, a, all the suburbs, there's like, you know, nine new subdivisions going up. And yeah, I have yeah, never, yeah. never understood where are the people coming from? Like, because the size, the population of the overall area isn't necessarily growing. It's like, if you just keep building all these houses further and further out, shouldn't they be leaving empty houses behind? Shouldn't that collapse <laughs> the market? But it never seems to happen. But we don't have, I don't think anybody's abandoning California to come to Indiana, even though they totally should, because Indiana is amazing. I mean, look at it. I'm here. I don't know what other, what other attractions you would need. But so Nashville, Boy, Nashville's the off the billboards but the, yeah the new la huh yeah actually 
That's and a... uh, the reason, too, I know, and I live in the best school district in Tennessee, oh. which was almost by accident. But <laughs> no, the neighbor across the street, they got two offers before their house even hit the market. One was a full price cash offer on the phone, sight unseen from somebody in California. Wow. And then uh, the other one was here. And I guess the bank liked the fact that... Uh, they didn't even have an appraisal. They did a drive-by appraisal, which means the appraiser just sort of drove by and went, yeah, there's the house. And that was all the bank needed. So the people got financing and they're gone. Wow. So what's the long-term plan of these people who sold their house and are now in the apartment? Are they going to move someplace cheaper or are they going to have to buy back into this market that's now super inflated? <laughs> Well, that's why they have signed a lease on an apartment because they don't know what they're going to do other than put money all over the floor and roll naked in it. Are they going to, uh, are they of retirement age or are they still working? No, they're our age. They're oh. yeah, well, probably that... a couple years older than me, mid fifties. And so they're still going to work every day then? Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, so that's, huh, that, that is an interesting conundrum. You know, if somebody came and offered me crazy money, I don't even know what I would do because at this point, I think I value stability over anything else. And if they came and they yeah. offered me all that money, it's like, man, there are so many things that have to get moving to move out of your house, to find a new house, it's so much stress. <laughs> and there's, there's so little of my life that's under control anyway. It's nice to have just certain <laughs> categories you don't have to worry about. You know, we got, you know, house, house is done. You don't have to worry about yeah. house. Now we just worry about contractors to come and fix minor things in the house and that's a, that's a whole nother story <laughs> well you got a nice new closet where the shower used to be so there that is that is the story and it is not there <laughs> that's oh. not how that's not how contractors work steve they say <laughs> they'll be there on this day at that time and then 90 days later the project is still 10 percent done and that's just <laughs> <laughs> what you wrote about that Man, it's been months ago now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, they've been only been out here to work on it two or three times. And each time they made incredible progress in just a couple hours. <laughs> and, but you know, like we had in our house, we had COVID. Then he had COVID. Then now maybe he has COVID again. And then, you know, there's other somehow we're always the lowest pro priority in every project. And it just things happen. So anyway, we no longer have a shower and we have okay. some shelves that kind of resemble a pantry, but in no way is it a finished pantry. And let me tell you something, writers may or may not respect deadlines, but but uh, <laughs> contractors definitely do not. A, a deadline is absolutely meaningless to them. And that's the best note to end this on. <laughs> well, this has been another intimate conversation between James and Steve that all of you have been privy enough to walk back and stumble into. I apologize for wasting your time. Actually, I'm not talking to anybody anymore. All of you shut us off at about the seven minute mark. But if you want to come back and relive this level of pain next week, we're going to be here because we don't have a choice. Our own self-imposed deadlines keeps us honest until we meet again. This is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve, looking at the clock, wondering why I'm still talking. For the exploding unicorn James Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember, two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>